From Namor to Nandor, nerds like a lot of things, but there's something they love above all else, and that is correcting people. This is Um Actually. And joining us today, we're doing a very special All-Stars episode. These are some of our winningest contestants, some uh, contestants that you specifically wanted to see duke it out head to head to head. Today, we have John Gutz Gutierrez. Greetings. We have Erica Ishii. Hello, it's me. And Brennan Lee Mulligan. Hello, one and all. A very villainous tone from. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> Why would you say such a thing, Michael Crap? <laughs> Today will be the day of Brennan's undoing. I will make a fool of him yet. Mm. We'll see if he really knows what bullshit's going on on the Enterprise. Um, <laughs> well, you've all been on here. You've all won. Some of you handily. Some some good strong scorers in this one. How's everyone doing? <laughs> doing great life is good i'm here in my that's, apartment. A, that's wrong that's false <laughs> am i not allowed to leave and uh is our country rapidly cratering was the, the worst handling of a global pandemic of any country in the world perhaps on the other side <laughs> you have to make yourself happy or you won't be able to work <laughs> Uh, Capitalism. Fake yeah. it till you make it was maybe overly optimistic. So let's just go with fake it. I, I both anticipate and dread the coming of the morning. The best thing that could possibly happen is by the time this episode comes out, people go like, oh, those poor fools. Uh, they don't know it's getting better just around the corner. They're so dour. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe we could hope. It's still better than my estimate, which was that we would put this into some spacecraft. We shoot it out <laughs> into space so that other worlds can see that we once mattered. We once yeah. existed. Well, with that, let's just jump right into it. You've all played before. You know how this works. Uh, if you are just joining us for the first time, this is um, actually. I have here a stack of statements, incorrect statements, but the things you know and love. It's up to these fine folks to find the thing that's wrong and correct me. All the corrections must be preceded with the phrase, um, actually, and they can interrupt me whenever they want uh, to get the correction that they need across. That's all there is to it. Let's jump right in. Our first question here is about Doctor Who. In the episode A Christmas Carol, the Doctor and Rose arrive in Cardiff, Wales on Christmas Eve of 1869 to discover a zombie outbreak. They enlist the help of none other than Charles Dickens, and with his assistance, discover the zombies are being caused by ghost-like aliens called the Gelf. Yes, John has buzzed in. Um, actually, that's not A Christmas Carol. It has a different title. That's correct. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you know do you know what it's called? I want to say Christmas in Wales, but I think that's a little too on the nose for Doctor Who. Uh, this episode was called The Unquiet Dead. So it's called The Unquiet Dead. It makes zero reference to the fact that Charles Dickens is just there to help. Because I think, okay, now here, somebody else can correct me on this, but I think there's another episode that's called A Christmas Carol. And it is literally the only episode of Doctor Who I have seen where there's like, Flying sharks? Yes, Erica, you're correct. There is, in fact, a separate episode called A Christmas Carol that is uh, basically just the Christmas Carol story that is uh, uh, set on a spaceship instead, with a lot of Doctor Who specifics. They have both a, an episode that is A Christmas Carol and also an episode in which they meet Charles Dickens and uh, have some Victorian-related uh, adventures. The weight of the canon 
of Doctor Who. Like, Fonz jumped over sharks in a show where the parameters of reality were like friends at a diner. And <laughs> like, that's how crazy that got. If you are starting at like, Time Lord, and then you're like, whoa, we've been going for 40 seasons. What the hell are What we... is their version of Jump the Shark? What could they possibly do yeah. <laughs> beyond transcending time and space rules? Um, well, that point will go to Goots for identifying that that is not a Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol's a different thing. The Ents in Lord of the Rings have two native languages. Old Entish is only spoken by Ents. It was difficult to translate and almost entirely impossible to pronounce for other species. However, New Entish incorporates elements of the elven language Quenya and is thus easier for other species to translate when characters like Treebeard speak it. Yes, Brennan? Um, actually, I don't know if this is your answer, but I can solve this. Um, actually, Tom Bombadil also speaks Old Entish. Hmm. So, uh... I love that. I'll take that hmm, even if I don't get it. <laughs> I'll take the hmm all day. Um, so, you have found what's wrong, which is that uh, more than just Ents speak Old Entish. So, I'll give you the point if you can either tell me what that thing is, and if you can't, I'll give uh, Erica or Goots a chance to scoop it, and if you don't, I'll, I'll give you that thing. <laughs> The Hjorns. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Do you know the? Do you know the Hjorns? So I those do know the Hjorns. In fact, that is the answer I'm looking for. Hjorns, Hjorns all day. They're halfway between trees and ants, and they fuck up the Urukai after the battle Helm's Deep. Shout out to Hjorns. We love the Hjorns. So we'll give you the point uh, for 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 getting that. We'll move on. Our next question is about comics. The comic Chew follows FBI agent Tony Chew, who has an unusual superpower. Known as Sebapathy, Tony is essentially a food psychic. When he eats something, he gains information about its history, how it was killed, where it was grown, etc. This ability can even work when consuming human flesh, though oddly, it doesn't work on beads. Um, actually, in the comic Chew, this is not an unusual power. Lots of people have it. <laughs> it is, uh, that is true, but this, it is still unusual from our perspective. Ooh, uh, you will <laughs> dodge, you will dodge. My correct <laughs> guess is, viewers at home, all of us are trapped in get our apartments and houses. You no, know where I'm going. In the comments. You know what I'm going to ask you to There's do. No room Once in the comments. Don't to your friends. Me. Get in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will not give you that point. Uh, anyone else have a guess? Um, Erica. Uh, he's not part of the FBI. He's part of the the chicken busting squad. Uh, Erica, you did not say um actually. Um actually. <laughs> God damn it! Oh, I got I got to abide by this. I will say, do it. Do it. More specific answer than chicken busting squad. Although you are, uh, uh, you know, you you basically there down down there. Goots, can you uh, can you be more specific than? I don't want to win this squad? way. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. I'll tell you what here, Erica. I'm gonna give you a chance to redeem yourself if you could tell me what it is. It's not the chicken busting squad or the chicken chasing squad. If you can tell me what uh, group he is affiliated with. He's, uh, I'm gonna say that he's affiliated with the Vice Squad. That's incorrect. I'm gonna say no points for this one, just to, just because this feels very messy. I'm gonna wipe the slate clean. Brennan. I'm actually. Yes. 
He's uh he's not part of the FBI. He's in some chicken squad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Brendan, that's that's just what Erica said. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> Boy, I've been in this meeting a lot in my life. That <laughs> was my oh, idea. No. I said that. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm lashing out because I already said the correct thing, which is that the power is not unusual in that world. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a member of the FBI. He is uh, a member of the FDA. Um, uh, oh, the, uh, okay. it's, all, it's all food crimes. You were correct. You just couldn't quite get there. Um, I think Brendan has paused in the silliest possible way. For Brendan to return somehow. Hey, hey, he's back. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Oh, so unfortunately, no points for that one. But Erica, you know, the, the point is true in your heart. Uh, yes, it, it's there. Right. Here is a fan submitted question uh, from one of our viewers submitting this question. This is from Colby. In Nickelodeon's Avatar franchise, the ability to bend elements is given to mortals by great beasts of the world. The Firebenders learn to firebend from dragons, the Earthbenders learn from the Badger Moles, the Airbenders from the Sky Bison, and the Waterbenders from the spirits of the moon and the ocean. John. Um, actually, uh, while they learn their techniques by copying those, they're actually bestowed by giant turtles that they uh the lion turtles actually give them the powers to do that that is correct uh so uh what? in the legend of korra season two episode beginnings it was retconned that benders gained their magic from the mythical lion turtles uh just as you said <laughs> so that is uh that is correct uh it is from the lion turtles <laughs> i don't think it's totally retconned because the last episode or two of the original series involve a lion turtle as well that's mm. how ang eventually like gets powerful enough and like learns his lessons to defeat uh, the fire lord if i remember correctly he teaches ang energy bending which is used in the in the final battle but he doesn't actually mention by the way i also gave you guys all of these powers yeah. you really should be thanking me you know it just <laughs> never really comes up in the conversation when how come no one ever thanks me <laughs> when we say that these powers are given by lion turtles yes are we, is it one lion turtle or is it just like, man, I got to go out there and find some lion turtle somewhere to get some of these fucking dope powers? They established in Korra that back in the early times, essentially there were four turtles with people living on their back and each turtle would give them each an elemental power. So there was earth, there was fire, there was water, and there was one person who went up and met all of the turtles and eventually he ended up getting the powers to become the first avatar. Juan, I believe his name was. I'd love it if you were right about everything, but way off on Juan. Like, <laughs> it's like all these specifics were correct, and it's like, no, his name wasn't Juan. Where'd you get that from? <laughs> like, it just sounded right. Uh, I, uh, I may or may oh. not have a 90-part fan fiction that I'm trying to sell. <laughs> You're trying to sell a fan fiction? To, to whom? How? Simon and Schuster. <laughs> Well, that uh, Avatar One is the first Avatar, by the way. I just wanted to throw that out there. Great. I mean, he's number one. Uh, we'll go on. We'll move on from that. We don't have to look. We don't have to dwell on that. This will bring us to our first shiny question of the game. 
shiny questions, of course. Like shiny Pokemon with the same amount of points, just a little bit different and a little bit rarer. This is going to be uh, a game that we call Name That Martian. We're going to do a sort of like like kind of like lightning round sort of thing where we're gonna show these Martians and let you buzz in for each one. Uh, whoever can name the most Martians will get the point. Let's take a look at that first Martian. That was Goots buzzing in first. Uh, that's Amy Wong. That is Amy Wong. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the next Martian. Uh, that is Goots again. Uh, Bobby Draper. That is Bobby Draper from The Expanse. I will reset your buzzers, and let's look at that next Martian. Uh, that is that is Goots followed by Brennan. Uh, Deja Thoris. <laughs> that is Deja Thoris. What the uh, fuck? From the John Carter <laughs> Barsoom series. Uh, I almost said Thuvia made of Mars, which would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> that's the, what, the fifth book in the series? I would have oh, flipped God. out if you said uh, Thuvia did. Uh, all right, let's see that next Martian. That is Erica first. Uh, John Jones, Martian Manhunter. That, that is John Jones with Erica. Let's see that next Martian. That is Goots. Uh, Magic Man? That is Magic Man uh, from Adventure Time, uh, who is actually from Mars. Uh, let's take a look at that next Martian. That is Brennan first. <laughs> Marvin! That's Marvin the Martian. <laughs> that is indeed Marvin the Martian. <laughs> Dude, he's on every single of the coolest jackets in the world, and you cannot forget Marvin the Martian. What a weird time in the 90s when it was like, Looney Tunes are fucking cool. There was like, the Warner Brothers store, and there was the rocket ship, yeah. like, playpen and everything. Uh, everybody had little like, monogrammed characters on their... <laughs> just see like large, masculine, powerful men wearing like expensive articles of clothing and then being like, this is my Marvin the Martian jacket, baby. Uh, let's take a look at that next Martian. That is Erica first. That's Spike Spiegel! That's Spike Spiegel, the finest man to ever live! <laughs> <laughs> That is indeed Spike Spiegel. Uh, and let's take a look at that next Martian. Brennan. This is a young Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> Chuck Cheese back in his, his rougher days when he was rolling around town with his biker gang. Uh, get into the pizza business until later in life. He was a bad boy and a Martian mouse, and his middle name is actually Entertainment. You can look that up. Uh, this is not um, Mr. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Oh, they were such clearly delineated characters. I <laughs> wish I could remember. So fully fleshed out and round. Oh. All right, so it sounds like a pass then from uh, Eric and John, unless you want to just take a wild stab. Uh, I was going to suggest Hambone. I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> uh, it's not Hambone. It, it's maybe closer. This is uh, Throttle from Biker Mice from Mars. No points for that one. Uh, let's take a look at our next and maybe last Martian. 
Uh, Brennan. Uh, um, actually, this is uh, Frandison Mars. Mars. Frandison Mars. Look, we all love Franathan Marsman, uh, a, a beloved pop culture figure. But uh, but no, this is not Franathan Marsman. Uh, uh, Goots, you had buzzed in. Do you know who this is? I believe it's Uncle Martin from My Favorite Martian. It is Uncle Martin from My Favorite Martian. Uh, so that is five Martians identified by Goots, two from Erica, and one from Brennan. So that point will go to Goots. I love the diversity of Martians. I love that we, like, like we as a society, like, constantly return to Mars as being this, like, the next closest planet. There's got to be something there, but our... It, like conception of what a Martian looks like is just anything from just like a normal person to to like whatever the fuck Marvin is. Humans are from after Mars has been terraformed. That's, That's true. Like, like they're they're settlers of Mars instead of yeah, yeah. sort of like oh you yeah you could have put a uh, Matt Damon on there too because he's yeah. technically That's true. Martian. <laughs> <laughs> Three points for Goots, one point for Brennan. Erica, you know, probably should have had one, but unfortunately we had to take it away from her because I am a cruel host. You, I lost that point on a technicality, and as a nerd, that is something I stand behind. <laughs> it's the holidays, it's hectic, but HelloFresh is here to help make things simple with recipes that cut back on meal prep time and cleanup so you can spend less time in the kitchen and more time with your friends and family. Ingredients travel from the farm straight to your door within a week, so you get all the convenience without skimping on quality. Plus, you get to skip a trip to the grocery store and avoid all those long holiday lines. Look, it's not just for meals. HelloFresh Market has this season's entertaining covered. Why not try out the holiday cheese and charcuterie board? Or the skinny dip dark chocolate peppermint almonds? Save, on average, over $65 a month when you order through HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's a lot of extra money for presents. I tried out HelloFresh, and look, sometimes you just need someone else to do the planning. It was a relief to not have to spend that time to make sure that all my meals were getting enough vegetables, that it wouldn't take too long on busy nights, that they were spread out enough, that I didn't weren't repeating too many recipes. Letting someone else do that, like a little vacation. Go to HelloFresh.com actually14 and use the code actually14 to get 14 free meals and three free gifts. 14 free meals and three free gifts just by going to HelloFresh.com actually14 using the code ACTUALLY14. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Here we go, this next question is about The Walking Dead. The zombies of The Walking Dead are slow-moving, unintelligent, undead, driven by a hunger for flesh. A single, yes, Brennan, what, what sort of subjective wording do you have take into <laughs> I know exactly what you're gonna say. Um, actually, uh, because the uh, the walkers of the of the Walking Dead are uh, scientifically based. I don't believe that the term undead, which is a supernatural attribution of the phrase. Oh, don't give me the eye roll, Saltzman. <laughs> uh, uh, I stand by it. But if I once again have guessed correctly, but not in on the rails of the show, you want to rob me of another point? By all means, tyrant. <laughs> Rob away! <laughs> this tyranny will not stand. Cannot a man say a correct thing and be proven correct? Enough <laughs> is enough! Um, I think it is fair to say that the the 
walkers of the un of the the Walking Dead are undead, even if um, by by the definitions that we in our universe use, even if it's not explicitly used within the universe of the Walking Dead. Very well, I would like my buzzer reset. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, back from the beginning. The zombies of The Walking Dead are slow-moving, unintelligent, undead, driven by a hunger for flesh. A single zombie can be dangerous. A bite will infect a victim with the zombie virus. But they are particularly dangerous in large numbers. Zombies in herds tend to be more aggressive and, yes, goots. Um, actually, technically, it won't infect anyone with the zombie virus because everyone in The Walking Dead is already infected with the zombie virus. That is correct. That is the answer we're looking for. Uh, everyone's already infected. When you die, you just become a zombie, whether or not you are bitten or not. That's just what happens to you after you die. Can you imagine a world where a virus is running rampant and everyone is just uh, just uh, trapped inside? Why? What a piece of fiction that would be. Moving on to our next. <laughs> 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 Every episode we have a moment where we just sort of like reckon with the like... And we just stare straight into the camera for five minutes. Hello, audience. I think it would be nice if we all just, uh, just took a moment with each other and connected. So this is me looking at you, you looking at me. Great. The comics code... <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a little bit on comics history. The Comics Code Authority was a self-regulating body that severely limited the content of comic books. Beginning in 1954, some code criteria included a ban on the words horror and terror in comic titles, a ban on ghouls and werewolves, and a requirement that women be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. The CCA is officially defunct. Yes, Brennan. Um, actually, that last one was absolutely not one of the restrictions from the Comics Code of Conduct. Uh, you would be surprised to learn that, in fact, it is uh, that uh, despite what you may have seen and, and and how you might interpret that, that it was officially one of the Comics Code uh, rules was women be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Whoa. Oh, interesting. The CCA is officially defunct as of 2011, when DC became the last comics publisher to drop the CCA seal of approval. Uh, Erica. Um, actually, it listed things that should be restricted, but you could still publish your comic without the approval of the CCA. That is true. Um, uh, interesting. Give Erica the point. I'll you give her. <laughs> uh, that you know that that is not what I intended here, but that is technically true and does technically. Now that's kind of true. That is here, <laughs> so I think I will go ahead and give you the point. But I will also reveal the answer I was going for here. So Erica will give you that point. So the answer I was looking for, I said at the very end that DC became the last comics publisher to drop the CCA seal of approval in 2011. In fact, technically, it was Archie Comics was the last, which was just like days after DC dropped it. Um, but it was in 2011. It, it survived for that long before DC and Archie were like, we're not doing this anymore. We're done with this. There's a lot of weird shit in the authority, clearly. Like all the, the stuff I listed there, werewolves and stuff. Uh, werewolves is weird. I thought ghouls was weirder. Because <laughs> like, to explicitly ban comics about ghouls just feels so old timey. It's like, it's you know how kids are hungry for ghoul content. Like we gotta get those ghouls. It's also so funny because ghoul is like one of the most ill-defined monster concepts I can imagine. Like, gun to your head, be like, name a ghoul! I'm like, ah, 
It's just kind of hey, a messed man. up. Ghoul. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like a messed up guy, right? Like if yeah. I was thinking of a ghoul, I'm like, I don't know, some messed up monster guy. It's like a spooky Maybe. thing. A ghoul means like a general spooky thing, right? Check out this fucked up smart zombie. It's a ghoul. He's like well, a. It's a ghoul. I think that was one of the many things that were specifically designed in the code to destroy EC Comics, which is why they cut horror and terror from the title and and werewolves and all that. And in EC Comics, if you read all the tales from the crypts, ghouls are specifically people who eat flesh. They're cannibals. And it's the punchline of a whole bunch of different tales from the crypt stories of like, we oh, what's behind this? Oh, we're in Ghoul Incorporated, a business that just eats people. That is a big part of it. They consume flesh. They're also frequently uh, associated with graveyards, grave diggers, or grave robbers. Ghouls, there you have it. That point, uh, that point went to Erica, not quite catching what we're looking for, but catching something wrong nonetheless. Here is our next statement. In Tolkien's work, Durin's Day is a special day for dwarves, defined as the first day of the last moon of autumn on the threshold of winter. The day has narrative significance in The Hobbit, since the moon letters on Thror's map explain that the last light of Durin's Day reveals a secret door in the Lonely Mountain. Yes, Brennan and then Goots close behind. Um, actually, the light, I believe, doesn't reveal the entire door. It only reveals a keyhole in the side of the mountain. Um, that is correct. But there's a more fun answer that I didn't get. And so once again, I am trying to decide if that is a pedantic enough specific that I should allow that point or not. I will give you that point unless someone can tell me the thing I'm looking for. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because you can't <laughs> see the door, you can only see the keyhole, and he has to rush and put that key in it. I'll tell you what's crazy. How did they know that thrush was going to knock right then and write it on a map like 20 years before? Right, That's crazy. I got I gotta tell you this, even as a kid, that drove me fucking crazy. <laughs> when, when, like, when as a kid, you should just accept everything and it's fine. I was like, that doesn't make any sense though, cause that's, that can't be part of the map. Uh, <laughs> like, I can't do that with a person. I can't do that with anything, you know? I can't be like, it's like, oh, every day, Brennan goes down to the local diner, he gets some chili cheese fries, and I can't be like, hey, turn right at the guy eating chili cheese fries. <laughs> like, I, I tell can't- No, but you, but like the guy that's eating chili cheese fries like also has the instruction and it's been passed down to him. Like, <laughs> gotta be in that corner. Every day. Yeah. I will tell you this, nothing would make me more self-conscious than to be tucking into chili cheese fries and look over my shoulder and see a group of adventurers opening a treasure map based on the regularity with which I order <laughs> chili cheese. I'd be like, we're in a fucking dark place, man. We got, we got to change our diet up. People are making maps based on me coming to this restaurant. This is a bad look for me. Don't for want generations, to this lard ass has sat here and fucking shove, shoveled chili cheese into his maw. No, as no, no. As reliable as the setting sun. No. As sure as the Not day. Not part of your head staff of raw. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm going to go down the road to that Mediterranean place. Fuck all of you. I'll go ahead and call it here since this is, like, this is so specific. The day that I described, which is the first day of the last moon of autumn on the threshold of winter, is in fact uh, the new year of the Dwarven calendar and not Durin's Day. Durin's Day has to occur on that day, but it also has to be true that both the sun and moon are visible in the sky on the first day of the new year. And I include this only to say 
fucking complicated system that dwarves have for this very for this very specific day. You know, especially for like a group of people that are underground a lot to be like, you ever notice when both the sun and the moon are in the sky on the first day of the new year, which by the way is the first moon of the last day of autumn on the threshold of winter? It's like, no man, I've never noticed that. I it's like honestly dude, say. I've never even seen the sky. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> What are either of those things? The sun? Yeah, you've just said nine words I don't understand. <laughs> Autumn? What the fuck is a season, dude? I live underground. <laughs> well, we'll give that point to Brennan, uh, especially because there eh, ain't no one getting that one anyway. Um, and that's that. And we will go on to our second shiny question. This is a game called Needs More Pixels. So what we're going to do is, in just a moment, we're gonna put an image up on the screen. This is an iconic image uh, from TV or film, but we have pixelated it all to hell. Really, really gonna be hard to discern what it is. We have five layers, I think it's five, of gradually increasing clarity. Now, for the purpose of the shiny question, you can only guess once. So you can either swing early, right? And, and if you think you know the answer, you can buzz in. If no one wants to take that risk, we'll go down, we'll go to the next level of clarity and so on until someone gets it. If the other two people buzz in before you guess, it will automatically go one level clearer for the last person remaining. And so they'll, they'll get a handicap uh, if two people like swing and just totally whiff it. Let's take a look at that image. Can you identify what this is? So you can either guess, or if you want to pass, if all three of you pass, or if one of you guesses wrong, uh, we'll move to the next level of clarity. I'm gonna pass. Erica's passing. Pass. Goots pass. 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 All right, let's go one level clearer. I'll pass. Pass. I'll pass. Okay, three passes, let's go one level clearer. Getting a little clearer. We're getting a little bit more here. Uh, oh. Eric, Eric, you're buzzing in, but immediately. Um, um actually, Super Metroid. That is Super Metroid. That is not Super Metroid. Sorry to say, uh, you you've used your guess. Uh, Goots and Brennan, are you yes, or do you want to try to go clearer? I'll go clearer. I'm gonna pass. All right, yeah. so two passes. Let's go one level clearer here. Oh damn it! God that, damn it! That is Brennan just before Goots. And you'll be with Totoro, Totoro. <laughs> that is indeed from my neighbor, Totoro. Uh, there it is. Let's go ahead and see those last moments of clarity. This little iconic scene of Totoro at the bus stop. Ah! Rain. That point will go to Brennan. <laughs> I used to watch this movie in Japanese when I was like two years old, multiple times a day for like, the, my from like age two to three, it was the only thing I wanted to watch. It like was, not understanding it, but just sort of like enjoying the art and just like watching what was going on. Yeah, and... was, I didn't speak English either. It was great. I was like, you know, <laughs> was a, I was an infant. I was tiny. Here we are coming out of our second shiny question. Four points for Goots, three points for Brennan, one point for Erica. And we got a couple more questions left. Watership Down is an epic tale about rabbits. Fiverr, Hazel, and other rabbit characters occasionally speak words in Lapin, a rabbit language that is also used as a lingua franca among woodland creatures. Some examples of Lapin words include hrududu, meaning car, hrare, meaning many, and silfle, meaning above-ground grazing. Um, actually, that's not the lingua franca of the other woodland creatures. It's unique to rabbits. That is correct. Uh, do you know what the lingua franca is? 
Oh, I, I don't. I will give you the point unless uh, someone, probably Brennan, uh, maybe. Can, do you know what the lingua franca of uh, the other creatures are? Oh, God. Um, uh, um, actually, there is some language that is based on Frith, who is the sun god who created all the creatures. And there is some Frith-based language that all the other creatures speak because the re in the lore of Watership Down, the reason creatures have defining characteristics is literally because of the disrespect performed to Frith by El Herrera in the creation myth. So weirdly, within the cosmos of Watership Down, creatures are delineated as rabbits and non-rabbits because every single creature who's not a rabbit has something in common, which is that they have a gift given to them by the creator to spite rabbits. No. I deserve, <laughs> I deserve a point on merit. I had, there's nothing to do with the question. I know this book back to front. I just don't know what the fucking lingua franca is. Uh, so I, I'll give that point to Goots uh, for identifying that there is a lingua franca. The, um, there is a lingua franca that's hedgerow. Hedgerow is used um, occasionally when they're greeting a strange uh, other other species. They almost immediately revert back to Lapine. I literally know the words for fox and cat in Lapine. I know like more <laughs> Lapine words than you said. Well, here we are. Uh, we'll move on to our next question. We all know Captain America, but who's protecting our friendly neighbors to the north? Captain Canada is a Canadian superhero who debuted in the 1970s. While there have been several iterations of the character, the first was Tom Evans. Evans was given superpowers by aliens and uses his strength to protect Canada in the strange distant future of 1993, where Canada is the most powerful country in the world. Brennan. I'll get us started. I'll take a stab at this. Yeah. Um, actually, Canadians, uh, even Canadians in a fantastical future, Canada is still not a superpower, even in their own self-fantasy of this uh, uh, alternate future. I love that guess, but that is incorrect. Uh, um, it does take place in a with a powerful 1993 Canada. Yes, Erica. Um, actually, he's not given his power by aliens. He it's, he's just an old-fashioned super serum, just correct. like Captain America. Uh, he gets it from aliens. Uh, Goots is buzzed in. We'll give uh, give Goots the, this last guess, and then we'll just call it. Um, actually, we don't all know Captain America. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. not what some we're of us for. aren't nerds. <laughs> the answer I was looking for here is um, the character description that I just gave you was in fact for Captain Canuck, which is a completely different character from Captain Canada. Captain Canuck was created for Comely Comics of Winnipeg. Uh, Captain Canada is a different character created. In 1979, appearing in the Captain Newfoundland comic. I'm sorry, the <gasps> comic is about Captain Newfoundland, and he is Captain Canada, his boss. Like, what's going on? He's like his uh, boss, probably be like what, like admiral, like it's like Captain. That's as high as you get, right? You're just you're rocking it out there. Once you, the the only thing you can change there is geography. Um, no points for that one, and that's fine. Well, this will bring us to our last shiny question of the game. All right, this is a game uh, that we're gonna call Apocalypse When. In just a moment, we're gonna give you a couple different titles of post-apocalyptic stories, uh, and we're gonna want to put them in chronological order from when these stories occur. So when is the end of the world according to these stories? You'll see all the options there. If you think you know what number, what like the first one is, 
buzz in. And so we'll gradually like fill in the full timeline. There's going to be six titles here, six, um, six ends of the worlds. So let's take a look at those titles. Here we have it. Some modern stories, some older stories, some video games, some movies, some books. We got all kinds of stuff here. Um, yes, Brennan has buzzed in first. What you got? Um, uh, um, actually, I'm going to say Terminator. Terminator is actually the first apocalypse here. Uh, that Terminator uh, uh, Skynet day is 2003. So we'll move on to number two. Buzzing in for number two. What comes after that? Uh, let's see. That is Brennan again. Uh, now I'm going to say The Last of Us. That is correct. Last of Us is the next one. In 2013 is The Last of Us. Uh, Brennan, buzzing in again. Now I'm going to say Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer is correct. The Ice Age was triggered in 2014. The events of the movie take place in 2031. Brennan, then Erica, then Goots. Um, actually, I'm going to say Wally. It is not Wally. So Erica, and then- um, Actually, uh, Mary Shelley's the last man. Mary Shelley's the last man is the next one. That takes place from 2073 to 2100. Brennan, what is our fifth apocalypse? Now I'm going to say Wally. Now it is indeed Wally. Wally takes place in the 29th century, making the last one Horizon Zero Dawn, which takes place in the 31st century. This is the way the world ends, not with a cyborg, but with dinosaur robots. Um, <laughs> that is Brennan with four of those identified, Erica with one, so that point will go to Brennan. Neck and neck here, uh, Goots with five, Brennan with four, Erica with one, and our last question, as always, concerns real-life skills. Driving an automatic transmission means you don't have to worry about changing gears. Just set it to drive, park, neutral, or reverse. Yes, Brennan. Uh, um, actually, those things are a type of changing gears. I mean, they are, but you don't have to. Brennan, no, we're not doing it. <laughs> I can't. I it's simply... crazy. It's crazy that I come in here, I dunk every time, and miraculously the ref comes in and says I'm wrong. I will start this question over, and we'll see where we wind up. <laughs> Driving an automatic transmission means you don't have to worry about changing gears. Just set it to drive, park, neutral, or reverse. But some automatics have a D3 gear. This keeps your car from shifting above third gear and is therefore useful for driving in stop-and-go city traffic and going uphill. The regular drive gear should be used for driving on freeways and going downhill. Uh, Brennan. Sorry, wait, I, I, I did already guess. I don't want to be a be a, a dick, but. Uh, That's okay, that guess was bad. You can guess again. <gasps> um, actually, uh, regular drive should not be used going downhill. Uh, that is close enough to the answer that we're going for that I'll give you the point there. Uh, so uh, <gasps> it's not incorrect to say that you can't use drive going downhill. Of course you can, and people do it all the time. But D3 is also a good choice for going downhill because it can wear out your brakes less if, you, uh, if you're if you in the D3 gear when you're going down steep hills. Uh, so that point will go to Brennan. That makes our final score for this episode. Five for Brennan, five for Goots, one for Erica, meaning that Brennan and Goots are tied for first place here in this all-star episode. What what a nail biter, what a great one. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here. I hope you join us next time for even more pedantic corrections here on Um Actually. Mm -hmm.